Hello, and welcome to Forward Maryland. I'm Bill Woodcock, and tonight's topic, the 2020 Democratic presidential field. So I'd like to thank everybody and uh, for their kind words regarding the first episode. This is the second episode. Looks like we've had a strong start. Uh, we'll see if we can keep it up. And I'd also like to congratulate all of America for having made it through the first two years of the Trump administration. As I'm recording this, it is January the 22nd, 2019. And uh, with any uh, hope at all for our good nation, uh, we have less than two years left of the Donald Trump presidency. I don't think there's going to be any doubt that this guy's not going to get reelected. But then, uh, then again... Uh, back in October 2015, I thought he was going to get the Republican nomination. I did not think he was going to win the presidency. Uh, but on election night 2016, along with so many of you, uh, when Florida, North Carolina went uh, in the uh, Republican column, I thought, well, that, that's really too bad. Uh, then Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, uh, Wisconsin, and Michigan, and oh, holy crap. Uh, look at what we've got. So, uh, you know, the people uh, who elected him um, get what they deserve. And, uh, you know, he'll be out in two years. Um, so there are six announced or nigh announced uh, Democratic presidential candidates. And uh, let don't get me wrong with how I feel about this Democratic field. I mean, I, you know, I am the yellowest of yellow dog Democrats and when it comes to this election. Uh, I will vote for the Democratic nominee, whoever it is. It really doesn't matter to me who it is, who their running mate is, what they stand for. Uh, I am going to vote for that person. I, this is that important an election. Uh, this country has become a complete embarrassment, laughing stock. Uh, we have humiliated ourselves again and again, uh, domestically and abroad, and I don't think there's any doubt at all that uh, the United States of America's government uh, is in bed with uh, the nation who, for the last 70 years, has been our closest and fiercest competitor on the world stage, and that would be Russia. So uh, uh, if this guy... Um, you know, if this guy uh, is reelected by any miracle, uh, which would be a bad miracle, is there a word for a bad miracle? I don't really know what that is. When you think of a miracle, you think about it being a wonderful thing. But what about a bad miracle? What would that be? Uh, anyway, if this fool gets reelected, um, I don't know. But uh, right now, there are six announced or soon to announce or immediate to announce Democratic candidates. Many more to come. Uh, so I'd like to kind of uh, go over my impressions of the six so far. Uh, in uh, you know, in, in uh, I have two favorites, two who are definitely on my short list about who I would personally support. Uh, but like I said, any of the six I would wind up voting for. Uh, I will tell you first about a candidate who I. Th thought I was impressed by four years ago when uh, she first emerged on the stage and was a DNC member who decided to support Bernie Sanders, and that was uh, Telsey Gabbard, the congresswoman from Hawaii. Uh, since then, uh, I've, I've learned about her uh, 
very intolerant comments, especially towards the LGBTQ community. And I know that she recently apologized to the community. Um, and, and while I'll accept her apology, I'm not a member of that community. So I have to rely upon my friends who are in that community to give me my full perspective. Um, you know, I find the uh, apology a little bit wanting, uh, a little bit late a little bit politically expedient. And while I know that uh, Democratic leaders, uh, President Obama uh, included, uh, have had their uh, opinions on uh, LGBTQ rights and uh, marriage and um, you know those issues, uh, we've seen them evolve over the years. Uh, today's Democratic Party is... Definitely, uh, deeply in the uh, in the camp of being pro equality, pro inclusion, pro diversity, uh, and so I find her candidacy maybe the hardest pill to swallow. Um, you know, along with some of her very questionable stands on uh, on uh, international uh, issues, such as uh, wanting the U.S. to stay out of Syria. So uh, very. You know, not very thrilled with uh, Congresswoman Gabbard. I would be looking for more out of her, but, uh, you know, I'm frankly not expecting her candidacy to last very long. John Delaney, the congressman for Maryland's 6th District, who served a few terms and then uh, uh, decided to run for president as opposed to running for re-election in 2018, um, I went to his website recently, and uh, he's got a lot of events. I mean, I, I believe he's uh, visited all 99 Iowa counties. He's doing things in New Hampshire. So if you're from Iowa or New Hampshire, you certainly know what John Delaney's been up to. Uh, but the question is, is what about the rest of the country? Not sure how much they know about John Delaney. And John Delaney was never really that big of a figure in Maryland politics. John Delaney is maybe the most outsidery of the six Democratic candidates so far. Uh, so uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know what sort of legs he's going to have. I know he's aligned himself with uh, the remnants of the New Democratic Caucus, the folks who used had set up the uh, Democratic Leadership Council back in the 90s. Uh, that was 20 years ago, and they kind of made themselves obsolete in the age of Obama. So I'm not sure, uh, again, his currency, I'm not sure what that's going to do. So uh, I would have to say I like Delaney. Um unless he positions himself as some sort of outsider and in lieu of any other true outsiders coming into the race, I don't really see where his candidacy is going to take off. Kirsten Gillibrand uh, has an exploratory committee and is soon to announce she would actually be, to me, the most fitting candidate to run against Trump in one respect. Um... You know, the president used an extremely obnoxious, or made an extremely unctuous, obnoxious comment towards her, uh, talking about how she would be willing to do anything to get a campaign contribution, how she would even get on her knees for a campaign contribution. And the way he said it, and the way of the tone of voice was, um, it was pretty clear what he was talking about. 
I don't really think I need to tell anybody uh, explicitly. We're an adult crowd. Uh, we knew what he said. He thought that she would get on her knees and do for a contribution from him. So to look across the debate stage from this woman, uh, who is a tough cookie, uh, would be uh, would be just dessert. Uh, but I don't think she's the toughest candidate in the race. I'll be interested to see how far she goes. Uh, but I also think that her ideological and identity space, for want of a better word, is going to be... Uh, it's going to be grabbed elsewhere in the campaign, uh, elsewhere in the field, especially if someone like Amy, Amy Klobuchar runs. Which brings us to the other uh, white female senator running, uh, Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren's campaign, uh, to me, is to me, she's the most Hillary-like of all the candidates, and I really wonder if a lot of activists aren't looking at her the same way in terms of thinking that she's the one who's most like Hillary, therefore she's the one who must not be supported. I went to her campaign website, and, and she has he has a huge store already. And, of course, a lot of it uh, plays on the never so, nevertheless she persisted uh, remark that was made about her from Mitch McConnell. I like Elizabeth Warren. Uh, I think her recent forays into social media have been a little bit odd. Uh, maybe she's just kicking the tires and trying to figure out what to do online just to, for kicks, no pun intended, to see if it's really her thing. I think right now uh, her online presence has yet to gain some traction, uh, and a positive traction, but uh, who knows? I, I'm sure she's going to be well-funded. I think she's going to be in this to the very end, and I would not be surprised if she were the nominee. So the two candidates right now who have made my short list of who to support, and again, in terms of supporting actively, I'm going to vote for any of them. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is Kamala Harris, uh, the senator from California who just this weekend uh, announced that she was running for president and also made mention that her campaign headquarters will be in Baltimore, uh, which have made uh, many... Uh, Active Democrats in my area of Howard County, positively giddy uh, with anticipation. Uh, I like her. I remember when she was the Attorney General of California. Um, she has a good crime stance. I am sure that there are going to be cases that were prosecuted by her office that are going to show her as not being a not not being a true progressive, whether or not those accusations stick, who knows. But uh, she has a very strong presence. I'm looking forward to a televised town hall she's doing uh, this coming Monday evening on CNN. And uh, I, I like her message. Uh, I like her message as a woman of color uh, from the state of California uh, bringing innovation and good sense and a, uh, uh, a, uh, air of regular order back to the White House. Uh, I think that, uh, she's an articulate voice, um, uh, and I think that she would represent a good generational change and would be somebody who could make America proud again. 
Uh, the last candidate I'm going to talk about who's also on that short list is Julian Castro from uh, Texas, the former mayor of San Antonio, the former uh, secretary of housing and urban development under the Obama administration. Uh, his twin brother, Joaquin, is a congressman in the state of Texas. Uh, I was very, I watched this uh, gentleman's announcement live. I saw his first speech live. And I think that uh, he is a star in the making. Uh, I think that when you close your eyes uh, and listen to the words and not think about accent, not think about the person of color, I think he had a message that is very clearly translatable across the spectrum, old, young, white, brown, black, uh, any color, any level. And I think that his opportunity is going to be to communicate that. Uh, one of the people who I've been looking forward to and hopefully running and who will also be on my short list if he ran would be Joe Biden because I think Joe Biden can speak to uh, all constituencies within the Democratic Party. I think he's the sort of guy who can make those Trump voters in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, other places wake up and go, oh my God, what we were thinking. But my thing on Joe Biden has been, he needs to be about 20 years younger or so. Uh, in Julian Castro, I heard that 20-plus year younger Joe Biden figure. I heard somebody who was working class, um, lived strong values, talked to him by his mother, did things the right way, and was successful. And he relates to those people who still struggle. He understands their struggle, and he wants, above all else, to make it better. I was incredibly impressed. So um, his is a candidacy I certainly hope gains some traction. I certainly hope pick picks up some steam. And to be honest, to put the state of Texas in play for the uh, presidency uh, wouldn't be a bad thing for Democrats either. So that is uh, where I, what I think and where I stand on the field so far. Um, I would imagine that it would between, be between 15 and 20 uh, Democratic candidates who wind up running. I made a list of about 50 names of possible Democrats who would run. I think the only ones who I know of who are not running are Martin O'Malley, Tom Steyer, uh, Andrew Cuomo, uh, The Rock, uh, a few others. Um, you know, will we have another Bernie Sanders run? Um, you know, a local blogger here in Howard County made mention about Warren, Biders, and Biden and Sanders and thought that maybe two of them would not run, but that certainly one of them would not run. And I actually think that's going to be Bernie. Uh, I don't know why I think that. It's certainly nothing against his last campaign, but, uh, I have a feeling that he's going to see a lot of successors to his mantle. And, uh, you know, he may he may let them compete for it. Uh, I don't know why I think that, but it's just a hunch that I have. So, um, you know, there are many other uh, candidates. I just read in the Washington Post magazine this past weekend about Pete Buttigieg, the uh, 
mayor or soon-to-be former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, who had an insurgent campaign for DNC chair a couple years ago, and about his campaign, he's supposed to be announcing his campaign in the next couple months. Cory Booker, Eric Holder, uh, I mentioned Amy Klobuchar before, uh, Hickenlooper, the governor of Colorado, Steve Bullock, the governor of Montana, uh, there, Terry McAuliffe, the, the former governor of Virginia. Uh, there are a lot of people who are going to get into this before it's over. And uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch. And uh, hopefully uh, the competition will be spirited. And whoever winds up getting the nomination, uh, Democrats will be able to rally around and take care of the much bigger job in front of us. Uh, for 2020. Uh, if we can't take care of this election, I, I just don't know what we can do. So uh, that's it for tonight. I hope you have enjoyed this second podcast, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Bye for now.